So good morning. Awesome. Thank you, band. Good to have you back, Amanda. Um, I get the honor and privilege of speaking today. I'm so excited. Hi, I'm Pastor Jason, for those of you who don't know. Um, Pastor and Dina are in Idaho on vacation. They're not on vacation. They're actually teaching and preaching out there and doing a marriage conference. So Pastor asked me if I would speak, and I was like, oh, absolutely. I, I don't get to come in here often and speak, but when I do, I just I love every second of it. So thanks for letting me come. And today I want to talk, I want to come off of what Pastor Jim, he was talking the last three weeks, one of the, I don't know, man, this, this, sermon, this sermon series that he did, it happened uh, once before, quite a while ago, and I just remember it being absolutely life-changing. The land of not enough, just enough, and more than enough. And, and to take that concept and to put those things into action. And that's so the application was when he asked me to speak, I said, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely want to speak. Um, and God just put this word in my heart about applying what we know. And if you've heard me speak, I say this, but you're probably going to hear the same things because my heart is, is pretty simple. It's, it's applying what God is reading the Bible and then actually doing it. That's in a nutshell what, what we should be about. Um, as Christians, and so, so coming off of that series, not enough, just enough, more than enough, and, and basically talking about the Israelites being in slavery, and then in the, in the desert, and then in the promised land, and talking about how we as God's children get to walk in that. Um, I'll start with a, a quick story. This wasn't in my notes, but as I was in worship, God just reminded me of my, my granddaughter, Ariana, she's three years old, and she's a feisty one, man. She is feisty, just like her mama. Um, <laughs> and she will go, and it doesn't matter what you tell her, you know, she's, she's a good girl, but occasionally she'll have that, don't touch that, don't touch it, don't, don't you do, do not, you know what I mean? And then she touches it, and then it's like, hey, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, hey, what are you? And she gets in trouble, and the, the crying, and the weeping, and gnashing of teeth, and all that good stuff. And then she comes up, and she says this thing, and this is where uh, it gets me here, and it got me this morning. She'll come up to her mommy, and she'll say, mommy, can I have a do-over? And it's like, oh, and Pastor Jim tells a story about JD and Josh, and it reminded me of that same story, if you've been here at all. You know the story. It's a great story about having a do-over. And she, so mom and dad come up and they're like, absolutely. So she literally gets in the position. She'll go, okay. And then mommy says, don't touch it. And she goes, okay, mommy. And she does it do it, right? I, I love it. And I think that we can learn a lot from that three-year-old today, right? So can we position ourselves and recognize that we, we sometimes need a do-over, but not on the small, I'm not talking about for the, in the for instant type of moment, I'm talking about in our life. I think sometimes we process things through a processor that's broken, right? I think, I think we're, sometimes we're so, so tainted and changed by this culture, not on purpose, it's just the way it is. We live here, you know? And that we, we don't see things through the perspective of a kingdom. We don't understand things through the, through the perspective of a son or a daughter. And so today I want to talk about application, but I think it has to be deeper than just go ahead and go do it. It's, it's not just, okay, get out of here, go do the thing. It's not that. I think we need to really take a step back and say, okay. So we'll come back to this. Um, I believe that if, if we can really manage to apply the things that God is teaching us, it has taught us, even in the last three weeks, Pastor Jim's sermon series, that was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And if we can take and grasp those concepts and apply them to our lives, it's going to change everything. 
the word application, the action of putting something into operation, right? Surprise, in case anybody here did not know what it meant to apply something. <laughs> uh, this is something that I've had to work on in my life. Definitely procrastination was one of those things. And so procrastination is the lack of application like crazy. Uh, I know what to do. I just don't do it, right? That's, that's what procrastination is. I, I want to do these things. And so me and my wife, Melanie, we've prayed against it and came against it in our kids' lives and just like, we are going to beat this thing, and so, you know, we've been working on it for a long time, and, and I think we've come a long way. By no way have I mastered it. There's no way in a million years could I ever say that I've mastered it or even come close. Definitely still in the progress. Sometimes the more you learn, the more you realize you have to learn. Does that make sense? The more you, yeah, yeah you, you're like, oh, I thought I, oh, okay, there's a lot more. You open one door and there's 10 more, you're like, oh, cool. But nonetheless, you can still look back in hindsight, it's 2020, and you go, no, I've come a long way. And, and sometimes it's really nice when you do push yourself past yourself to get to that place where you're doing what you want to do, and then all of a sudden you're like, that felt really good. I actually showed up on time, <laughs> or whatever it may be, but that felt really good. I actually had that planned out, and I did it, and that was like, ah, I don't feel stress or anxiety. That's amazing. What a, what a neat feeling. That's nice to try that out once in a while. But you know, this, the, church, the church is known for being hypocrites, right? Is that a surprise to anybody in the room? No. We know this, right? The church is known. Why? Because we come here, we say, be holy, don't swear, don't chew, don't, you know, all the things Pastor always says. And, and yet we go home and we're like, oh, I totally cheated on my taxes, <laughs> you know, or whatever it may be. But we're known for being hypocrites. In, and the sad thing is it's a lot of times it's rightly so. And, and yeah, people say we're sinners saved by grace and all this. And it's like, we're sons and daughters. I think, I think there's a bigger that's, that's the part I'm talking about. We're, we're sinners saved by grace. True-ish, but no, not true, because we're not. We're sons and daughters, and so we don't have to try to be a, not be a sinner anymore. We get to walk out sonship, daughtership, if that's a word. On the job, I'm the guy. I was the guy. I owned a painting company for years and had a crew. And uh, <laughs> if I came into the room and somebody was standing there, that's what they do. They look at the ceiling. And I go, so my, my line was always, hey, do me a favor, do something. Even if it's wrong, do something. Like, I don't even care. Just move. Pret pretend like you're trying. I don't even, it's like, I just can't handle that in my brain. So I'm, I'm definitely a, a mover, a goer, a get it done. If it's wrong, we'll rebuild it or whatever, you know. But, but that was always a line of mine. So um, I love this in James. Anybody love James? Come on, man. James is so good. We're, we're speaking out of James today, another part in James, and then I'll be talking out of Romans as well. Um, but he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. I love that line. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. What kind of moron? I'm like, oh, oh, me. Pick me. It's me. I know this one. What kind of moron looks in the mirror, doesn't even recognize himself, and then, you know, two seconds later doesn't even remember that he's got a, a boogie hanging out or something. You know, dude, you got a bat in the cave. Oh, I forgot. It was a whole second ago that I looked in the mirror, right? But, but literally, this is what he's saying. He's like, if, if you, you read the word and you don't do what it says. So the important thing is this. Do what it says. This is, this is, this is gold. This is absolute gold because the thing is nobody does this. And I say nobody, okay, right, obviously somebody does it, but you know what I mean. And we all do it in part, and, and we, whatever. You can sit there and debate that all day long. But in all reality, we're not doing what God's called us to do on a level that he's called us to do it. And I think it's because of the way we process things. I think it's because of the way we look at it and we go, well, let me look around. Okay, I'm about on par with everybody else. That's good. 
But what if we just read the word and then applied the word and see what happens? Because this series that Pastor Jim just came, came through should radically wreck every one of us. Because the truth, it's not just because Pastor Jim spoke it. Spoke it. He's anointed and God put that in his heart for sure. But this has such substance. This is the, the word of God. These stories are in the word. God, God had these people go through these, te- through these seasons in their life for a very specific reason. Do what it says. We love it here, right? We love to come to church, and there's nothing, that's great. This is huge. We should do this. Um, we celebrate it. We spike the ball, and then we go home, and sometimes we do nothing about it. And don't worry, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. This is us, all of us together. We are the church. We are in unity. We are one. We are the bride of Christ. And we love to come here. We love to celebrate. We love to do the thing. We love to go through the motions. We love to say, amen, pastor. And we love to do, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's all good. But then we go home and we do nothing. We do nothing about it. The application has to happen. That is actually called insanity, right? When you do the same thing over and over and over again and you expect a different outcome, right? We've heard this. It's crazy. It's literally, that's what it is. I think, um, I like to think that we come here, we hear the word, and that's, and that's not the only thing we do. But the thing is, there's work to be done, and not just coming to church. It's work to come to church, especially if you've got little munchkins running around. It's work. It's hard. That you'll, you'll feel a resistance in the morning to coming to church. It's not, there's, it's just true. It's just the way it is. Some of the biggest battles uh, between husbands and wives are Sunday mornings on the way to church. And then why? Because the enemy knows that you're a general in God's army, and he wants to take you out, and he wants to stop you from getting here. But this isn't the only thing. There's, there's some cultivating that needs to take place, because our life is like this. Anybody ever have a garden? Anybody hate their garden? I love what it produces. Don't get me wrong. I, I'll eat all day long. I love the fresh fruit. It's not, you know, genetically modified. It's not got chemicals all over it. This is great. This is good stuff. But, dude, planting that thing and preparing that thing and weeding that thing, oh, I tap. I'm out. I quit. <laughs> I can't stand it. You don't have to cultivate a certain plant that grows in your garden. Does anybody know what that is? <laughs> Weeds. Exactly. Everybody, everybody knows that. You don't. You it's, it's a miracle, and they grow 10 times faster than the vegetables, vegetables do, or the fruit. It's like, boom, you're like, oh, my garden's doing, wait, that's not my garden. What happened? But you have to go out there, and you have to consistently, like, if you've, been, if you've ever been in a garden, you can relate to this. It's terrible. Your fingernails get that crud underneath them, you're all nasty, you know, you're just out there for hours and hours. When we went to Japan on a missions trip, we had... I think like 10 of us, and we went out to the garden, which did not look that bad. And we went out there, and we did some weeding for, man, I don't know, I don't remember. It was like four hours or something like that. So 40-ish hours of weeding, man hours, in one day, and we had to go out the next day and weed it again. I'm just saying, there's something to this. But it takes work. Is it worth it? Some would debate it. <laughs> I'm just going to go buy some GMO, high, whatever. But the thing is, our life is like this. We have to apply the things we know. We know we're supposed to cultivate the soil. We know we're supposed to do this and that and blah, blah, blah. We know what we're supposed to do. We just simply don't apply it. We don't do it. So after figuring out that we need to rototill it, we need to enrich the soil, we need to uh, plant, we need to water, we need to do the things, then you get something like this. That's great. That's great. That's, I want that. I want that uh, between two pieces of bread and some mayonnaise and some salt, you know what I'm saying? Tomato sandwich. Can I get a witness? Uh, <laughs> I went to make one the other day. We were out of mayonnaise. God, no, Lord. It was so sad. I think I had to eat peanut butter and jelly. Anyway, different story for a different time. Um, A tomato plant takes 
about 15 gallons of water throughout its life. Uh, I Googled it. If I'm wrong, yell at Google. But imagine this. It's not the point of the story. The, the point is that imagine this. Imagine if you were like, boom, you rototilled, you learned, you now know what it takes to prepare a garden. You rototilled, you prepare, you enrich, blah, blah, blah. You plant the seed or the seedling, whatever. And then you take, and you're like, 15 gallons of water. Done. Go in the house, and hopefully we'll have tomatoes by the end of the season. Does it work like that? But yet, for some reason, we do that to our own lives. Does it work like that? No. But yet, for the insanity of it, we keep going through the same cycle where I think, I just, God, I just don't understand why this or why that, or, or I just want to be used, or, or I just don't feel fulfilled, or I just don't see the, God, I just want to be happy. No, you don't. Trust me. Happiness is a, it's a gimmick from the enemy. Joy, on the other hand, was different. 15 gallons of water is going to kill your garden. It's going to kill your tomato plant. And then you're going to come out and at the end of the season, look at it, and, and what's, what are you going to have? Weeds. In case you didn't catch that. Come on. Weeds. You're going to have weeds everywhere. You're not going to have a tomato plant. thing will be drowned, dead, whatever. Instead, we need to prepare the ground and water it daily. We need to weed it consistently. And then we get the tomatoes we want. Then we harvest then we apply what we know. Let me go back to that part. Then we harvest. Then we get to harvest. See, we think, a lot of times we think it's about us. We think, oh, well, I need to read the word, and I need to get into prayer, and I need to, you know, whatever, be a giver, and I want to support this missionary, and I want to blah, 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 and I want to, I want to, and that's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times, times we don't do it because it's okay because it was just me that I'm ripping off, so I can take a punch to the face. It's okay. Reality is it's not about you. never was about you. It's about everybody you're in contact with. It's about everybody in your community. It's about everybody that's in your arm's reach because people are eating the fruit off of your tree every time you bump shoulders with them in the grocery store, every time you sit next to them in the chairs at church, every time you uh, are talking to your kids when you're putting them to bed, you're, you're, you're feeding people what you have. And so the fact of keeping yourself healthy and cultivating your own soil and weeding this garden is absolutely huge. It's so important that we apply the things that God is showing us. So let's apply it. Let's apply what we know. James, again. This is James 2, 14 through 20. I'm going to read it out of the message. So if you're trying to follow along in the NIV, it's not going to work. He says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get away or get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come, come upon an old friend dressed in rags and starved, half starved, and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and walk off without providing so, as much, so much as a cup or a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God act is outrageous nonsense? I love the way he puts that. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is just outrageous nonsense? And then he says, he calls them out before they say anything. He says, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department, I'll take care of the works department. He comes back, James is like, hmm, not so fast. Because that's what we want to do. We want to cherry pick the job that we want to do, and that's not the way it works. We need to do both. We need to do, do the, be the full package. He says, not so fast. He says, you can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works works and faith fit together hand in glove. 
Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God? But then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful. That's just great. Demons do that. But what God does, or demons do that, but what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can, that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hand? That's, that's heavy. That's heavy. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm yelling at you, and I'm like, I didn't write that. <laughs> but it's not you. It's us. Trust me. I'm there with you. We're, we are hand in hand. He says, but you can't. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hand? He wants action. He wants us activated. He wants us to realize that we're generals in his army and that he's called us to do so, so much. Faith is always moving. Faith is always moving. The catalyst is, is this thing right here and walking it out. It's this. You, you get to choose. You know, we don't have to. I can hear God all day long and I can ignore him. I can choose to ignore him. I can choose to be like, oh, yeah, it's cool because, you know, they're not doing it and they're not doing it, so why would I do it? Why would I go tell that person at that gas station that God loves them? That's silly. That's, I'm just going to make a fool of myself. You have no idea, right? We have no idea. We have no idea. There's been so many stories where somebody has done something like that and the person just breaks down and starts bawling their eyes out because they said, God, if you're real, give me one more. You know what I mean? You are the answer to somebody's prayers. Take that to heart. You are the answer to somebody's prayers, but it takes you to apply what you know. Yes, you know your socks are supposed to go in the hamper, but no, they don't always make it there. You know, we need to apply the things we know, but on a, that's, that's a small level. You're just going to get you know, yelled at or whatever. But on the big level, we're talking kingdom. We're talking eternity. We're talking the only reason God has invested this breath into our lungs is because he believes in us. The catalyst is this, how you process this. I submit this thought too. Romans, Romans 10, 9 through 10. says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are, and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. A lot of people come up to me and say, man, I just don't know if I'm saved. I just, I just, I just don't know. I, I, like I said the spell to get me out of hell and all this stuff, and I've said the prayer, and I do believe, and, I, and all this stuff. I just, you know, every time I try to do good things or try to be a good person, every time I try, and that's the premise of it. Every time I try, they're trying. They're trying so hard, they're forgetting to just be. And that's what God's called us to do, is just to be. And it, it's, a, it's a tricky, tricky thing to wrap your mind around that because that's not the norm in the culture that we live in, but to just begin to be. And then you begin to get into the Word, not because that's what you're supposed to do, but because you're madly in love with, with the Father and you want to know His heart. And you begin to spend time in prayer, not because, well, good Christians, this is what they do. No, not because of that, but because you want to communicate with the Father. Because you, under, you understand that you're an heir and a co-heir with Christ and that this is, this, is, this is it. This is the legacy. This is what we're doing. This is where we're at. This is what life is about. So many people ask me, hey, I just don't know if I'm saved. It's like, well, what do you believe? What's your goals? Where are you at? Let's talk about it. This means that we're saved through the profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. If you check this out, this, this faith that he's talking about, 
It's what it is. It's a faith statement. You're, you're choosing this. You're, you're, this is all inside. It's all internal. He's saying when it comes out, this is when it's activated. This is what, when you can say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe God raised him from the dead, and I believe, and you know, you're, you're activating something. He says, he says it's about the faith, but, it, but the faith doesn't stop there. So, so we've all done that. I think most of us in this room would say, yeah, I've done that. I've given my life to Christ. I believe this, 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 and this. Okay, that's good. Now let's do something about it because faith does not stop there. And I think a lot of people think, like, that's the finish line. We're done. Spike the ball. I got to touch that. It's not, that's actually not. That's just, that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of the journey. But I don't, I don't think it stops. Let me just read what I wrote. I said, I don't think it stops with us believing in Jesus. Faith must continue in us until we can say, through our experiences, that we have faith that moves mountains, opens blind eyes, raises the dead, heals the sick, brings salvation to the lost, provides for the poor, releases the addicted, frees the oppressed, gives peace to the anxious, connects the father to the fatherless, and sets the captives free. That is where it's, it's a continuation. It's a walk this out. It's what's next for you. What does God put in your heart? Because you have things in your heart, and sometimes we just bury them down deeper and deeper. My, my story is that. I had no idea that I was supposed to be a pastor. None. Zero. And every time somebody said it to me, I got offended. I pretended to be offended, more or less. And I said, shut your mouth, don't say that, yada, yada, yada. And I would just, because that, that, that's huge. I'm not the guy. I'm not your holy man. I can't do it. And yet God was confirming over and over and over again. I'd been here for 20 years. And over and over and over again. And finally it's like, okay, I can't run anymore. I'm tired. So many people are sitting here today. You're running. You're, you love God. Don't get me wrong. We love God. And we're on fire for God, but we're running because we know who we are. We know the thoughts that we have to take captive and make obedient to Christ. And we're like, I'm not starting that ministry. <laughs> I'm not ready. When I get all my ducks in a row, that's when I'll start it. It's like, dude, what a lie from the enemy. What a lie from the enemy. This is your story. We're talking about your story. This is your story today. And you have wings and you're walking around. I guarantee you, if you had physical wings right now, you would, none of you would be walking. You'd be like, this is awesome, flying around. You know, you'd be going everywhere. You'd be playing. You'd be doing, you know, freestyle. You'd be doing all kinds of flips and stuff. You have wings and you're walking around. We have the Holy Spirit, and he is ours for the taking. And we walk around like, oh, yeah, go to church. That's great. <laughs> James is like, yeah, the demons, they, they believe that too. It doesn't change a thing for their destiny. Why walk when you can fly? Here's a kicker, and I think it's a big one that people don't understand, is that Jesus, he believes in you. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't. They've heard it. You know, we heard it because it's Christianese. We speak Christianese. We say the same, these, these biblical statements. But gosh, Jesus believes in you in such a way. He, he knows the plans that he has for you. Like he, he wouldn't have taken that, that cross if he didn't believe in you. He wouldn't have lived those, those 30 years going through all those trials and tribulations and training and preparing if he didn't believe in you. But he believes in you. And this, this statement, this is where the real power is found. This is where the life change begins. I said this already, but this is where the, the life begins to change to the point to where you stop trying to do. 
You stop trying to act. You stop trying to mimic this person or mimic that person. You stop trying, and you just begin to be. Because when you get into a relationship with a boy or a girl or whatever, all of a sudden, you don't have to try to pretend. What's it like to be in a relationship? No, you just you pursue them. You're, you're texting them. You're constantly thinking about how you're going to engage them next time you meet them. Like, this, is, this comes natural. But yeah, we talk about the creator of everything, the Father. And what does that relationship look like? When you're in love with the Father, you just pursue him to a point to where you just, be, you just get to be. You don't have to act and try. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But when that, that non-perfect you steps up, you give it the backhand and you keep moving and you begin to be what God says you are. Because what God says is more true than what you're thinking. What God says is more true than what the world says. What God says is. And he says you're a daughter. He says you're a son. He says you're heirs to the throne. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that you're more than conquerors. He says so much. I mean, it goes, you can go on and on and on and on about what he says about you and how much he believes in you and who you are and how you're going to change the world. And maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a ministry to your family. Maybe God's been putting it on your heart to get your family together every single night and pray together and get in the word together before you go to bed. And ironically enough, that sounds like a, oh, yeah, that's cool, small thing. But what if? What if somebody today said, no, that's exactly what's going to happen because you just confirmed it and I'm telling you from now on there's nothing going to stop us because this is where we begin to cultivate. This is where we begin to weed the garden. This is where we begin to see the fruit because we're going to apply what we know because we all know that's what we're supposed to do, right? We know that. We all know that's what we're supposed to do. We just Netflix. We just whatever. We just get to be. This is, when, this is when you connect to God's heart of the matter, and you begin to search inside, and you begin to find those, those seeds. You know, his fingerprints are on us from when he formed us in, this, in our mother's womb. And you begin to, those things that come to, they start rising to the surface like the cream, and you're like, that's been in here this whole time. I had no idea I was supposed to be a youth pastor, and it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And it's, what the heck? This is crazy. I wake up every day like, I get to do this. It's not a job. It's not a job at all. I get to invest into people like Josh Kippy. I get to invest into people like Bailey. I get to invest, you know what I mean? Like over and over again, I get to go and talk with them and invest in them and minister to them and love on them and hear their issues and go, oh, well, check this out. I've been there, done that. And this is what God says. I get to do that. What is it that you get to do? What is it that's in your heart? What is that thing that, that it's, it's deep down, very deep down because, you know, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you're like, oh, I don't want to get excited and then be let down. Everybody better said amen because you know that's true. That's what we do. We're like, oh, I, don't, I just don't want to get myself all excited for this thing and then get let down. And I'm not saying you're all, we're all going into ministry. That's not it. That's not the goal. That's not what we should be doing. We should all be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go and everything we do. And we don't need a title to do that because we have a title of son or daughter already. So we don't need a title to do that. You don't have to be, your first name does not need to be pastor to go and be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you can bring the kingdom with you because it's in you. Everywhere you go, the kingdom is with you. Everywhere you go, you should be releasing that. And this is the application of more than enough. When you have more than enough, it just comes out. When you have more than enough, God begins to just overflow. This is when people would begin to see Jesus in you. This is when you will, be, you will be just this contagious thing moving, and people are like, dude, what you, whatever this person has, I need that. 
and people will be seeking you out. Everything changes when people begin to see the Jesus in you. So today I want to inspire you guys to do something bigger. I want to inspire you to dream, but to apply it. We can dream, that's great, but how do we apply it? Where's that faith leap? You're standing at the edge of the cliff, and God's like, jump, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, but, but did you see this? <laughs> it's pretty far down. God doesn't need us to explain it to him. He sees it from a perspective you have no idea, right? We, I say this all the time. Hindsight is 2020. God just put this on my heart really heavy. Hindsight's 2020, right? I, I think most of us in the room, not everybody, but I think probably a good solid 98% would say, in hindsight, it's 2020. God had me every single moment of the way. God was carrying me. I had no idea. I was like, God, why have you forsaken me? And he was there. And now I'm like, oh, that's why. Now it makes sense. Hindsight's 2020. What if? What if God could take and say, here's your hindsight. Let's put it in front of you. Let's make that your foresight. Because there's dreams and there's missions, and there's certain things that God has called you to in your life that you're like, well, yeah, but that's way too big. Well, yeah, but every single time, every single time, God was there. Yeah, but this one's different. No, it's not. With, that, with the, the amount of money I would need to end, yeah, but I don't have time to. Okay. You can, you can do that all day long, and I'll just be like, because that's what God says. Go ahead, pitch me another one. Pitch me another one. It doesn't matter. We can come up with excuses all day long, but God is the God of miracles. God is the one who put that in your heart to do that thing, so don't give up. So today I want to inspire you guys to do something bigger than yourself. Because if we do things within our own means, that means nothing. Good job. God, you just got all the glory and God got none. When we do things in our own power, God doesn't get the glory. It's when we do things, when we step out of our comfort zone, when we step out in faith and be like, okay, here we go. I don't have a clue how this is going to happen. I can give you guys an example. Um, tonight is the first night of October chaos. Oh, you don't even know. Obviously, only, th only three people even have a clue. Tonight is the first night of October chaos, ladies and gentlemen. It's some of you that know, okay, so what October Chaos is this outreach we've been doing for years and years, and it's absolutely amazing, and this room gets filled with crazy teenagers with war paint on, and they're all like hooping and hollering, and they got war chants, and I'm, sometimes I'm scared for my life, but other times, it's really fun. <laughs> Tonight, we, ha we have approximately 25 adult leaders that come every Sunday night and help us with our youth ministry. They partner with us. They actually run it, okay, to be honest. They run it, but... Then we have another 30 people on top of that tonight that are going to be here throughout the month of October helping invest, doing the greeting team and security and just, we're giving away so many things. I'm scared a little bit, okay? I'm scared a little bit and not in a bad way. Not scared like, oh, fear, Satan's winning. No, not like that at all. He's not winning, trust me. October Chaos is, is one of the most amazing things I, that we get to do. We're giving a car away. That's a faith move, guys. That is an absolute faith move. We're giving a car away. It's, it's insane. We are um, we're expecting to have 500 people the final week of October Chaos. And I'll tell you, we have never had, that I know of, I don't think we've ever had 500 people in October Chaos. But this is our goal, and I'm professing it to you. So now you've got to hold me accountable. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. 
And the reason we're doing it is because we know that hundreds of salvations are going to happen during this month. How do we know that? Because it happens every October chaos. Every single October chaos. Tons of people come down to these altars and give their life to Jesus. There's, there's families in this room, there's students in this room, or young adults and, and students who came to an October chaos or March Madness, one of the outreaches, and they gave their life to Jesus at this altar, standing right here, and that's why they're here today. God is moving, and he's going to do some crazy cool stuff this month, for sure. Tonight, for sure, J.D. Wiegand is speaking. It's going to be amazing. That kid preaches. It's going to be fire. People are going to get saved right here tonight. But it's only because God called us to step out and to say things that I can only see this far. I can only see that far. I, I have no idea. I have no idea how 500 is going to happen. I have no idea, you know, the car situation. I have no idea. All this stuff is like, oh, Lord, come on. Everybody said jump, and I'm like, I'm going to take my hindsight, I'm going to put it in front of me, and I'm going to go, he's always faithful. I'm jumping. We have a speaker, Brian Pruitt, coming the last week. If you guys don't know who that is, you should look him up. He's so good. We took our entire budget and invested it into bringing him here. Our entire budget, again, faith. <laughs> Some are like, no, that's just stupid. No, no, trust me. Trust me. I, my hindsight is 2020, and when I put it in front of me, it's faith. Watch. We have a band that's coming from camp that was the camp band at Fajola this year. They're phenomenal. They're coming out, and they're playing. A guy from their band is coming from Florida just to be here to play. I'm like, unreal. Multiple youth groups have confirmed that they're bringing their whole entire youth group out to be here, to be at that. There's a need in our community for youth to have something, to be able to plug in, and then we get to minister to them. The greatest thing in Fenton, the greatest thing in Genesee County is going to, for the students, for the youth students, 6th through 12th grade, is going to be here starting tonight from 6.30 to 8.30. And then we're ending it with the mud pit. So, you know, it's a win-win all the way around. <laughs> Hindsight's 2020. Put it in front of you. Put it in front of you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, my people perish. If you don't have a dream, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have some concept of what happens next, you're going to die. And maybe you won't physically die, but you will on the inside. Maybe the anxiety begins to set in. Maybe depression starts to set in. Maybe these things begin to overwhelm you or overtake you. But it's really hard to be anxious or depressed when you're praying over somebody and they get saved. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to be anxious or depressed when somebody is broke as a joke and you get to walk up and give them 50 bucks for gas or groceries or whatever. It's really hard to be sad about that. It's really hard when you're activated in the things that God has called you to do to find those moments where you're like dying on the inside. Vision requires application to get it started. You have to do something. So do something, even if it's wrong. That's a very scary statement to make. But, but on the real, we have to do something. 
So who has the guts today to begin to live those out, to begin to live those God-sized dreams out? So I want to do. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to close, and he's going to play, and we're close. We're, we're way earlier than Pastor Jim ends, so you're good. <laughs> I want to encourage you guys to do this. You don't have to do this, but, but if you're serious and you like to, if today God's was stirring something up in your heart, I challenge you to do this. I dare you to do this. Write down the things that God's put in your heart. Maybe you haven't spoke about it in 20 years. Maybe it just now was planted in your heart today. But God is speaking to you and your ear is tuned to his voice. Don't hesitate. Apply what God is teaching you. Write it down before you leave this room today. And then, and then, if you really want to be encouraged, share the dreams that you have with somebody that you trust and say, I want you to hold me accountable to this. Somebody who you know hits hard. Because <laughs> I need to be hit hard. I need to be held accountable hard. But I want what God wants for me, no matter how much I'm going to get in my own way. So my challenge is this, write down the dream, and then, if you so dare, share it with somebody that you trust. Let's pray. God, we praise you. God, we give you glory and honor. We pray, Jesus, that for the, the dreams that are in our hearts, God, Father, that we would begin to apply those things. God, that transformation of our families will begin to take place because of the process of us pursuing those dreams. God, that life change would happen in these schools because of us being obedient to the things you've called us to. God, that you would wake us up and we would not, <laughs> we would not be tra trapped in this culture of this world, but that we would see things and we would live out that kingdom culture. So Jesus, I pray just like Ariana says, let me have a do-over. Let me try again. Not one thing, not two things, not three things, but God, the whole entire life, the whole entire style of the way we live our life, God, the whole entire culture, I pray, Jesus, that you would give us a do-over, that we would begin to see things through a brand new lens, and these dreams would come to full fruition and you would change lives. Change lives, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You guys can leave whenever you're ready, but I encourage you to stay for a couple minutes. Altar workers, if you could come down. And if you need prayer for anything, these altars are open.